0: Well, hello. How's it going? Welcome into episode 12 of Free Rambler Men, a country music podcast, co hosted by Stuart Bamford and John Kerr. I'm starting Stuart Bamford down the Zoom line as per usual. How are you, Shirty? How's this week been for you?
1: I hadn't seen my hygienist for a while because she had suffered some sort of an injury. Then randomly I get a text message saying, Appointment, so I go. You know, I find it hilarious that when you go to the dentist, You know, you're sort of in and out in 10 minutes and they go, yep, looking great, thanks, keep doing what you're doing. But when you go to see the hygienist, there's pain, they rip the mouth off you, there's blood. So I really, really don't look forward to going to see the dental hygienist. So I'm lying back in the chair and uh, I couldn't help but think about, you know, the way in horror movies to build up an element of suspense. The soundtrack is so key. But I'm lying back in the chair. She's... Scraping away at my teeth, I can see in the inside of her hand is a curled up handkerchief covered in my blood. Well, the creepiest part of the whole thing was she was playing the carpenters. We've
2: only just
1: begun to leave. So then I went back downstairs and uh, the receptionist says, Well, Jared, how'd you get on? I basically described to the receptionist what I've just, you know, told you. She turned around and she said, Um, how about three months from now at uh, 12 o'clock on a Thursday? You free? I don't know, but yeah, go cool for that. So that's you booked in to see the dentist. I'll have a word with him, see if he'll be a wee bit more gentler than the hygienist. And maybe you want to contact him directly yourself and uh try and dictate his playlist. See you later,
0: Stuart. <laughs> Get her on the podcast. What a woman. I just walked away going, am I the problem? <laughs> Mate, tell you what, I went to the... uh I'll not do you one better, but I'll just tell you about my week. I went to the opticians. I went to Specsavers. My right eye is not as good as my left eye. But despite that, she told me, still 2020. Do you know when I could see the bottom line? I was like, are you going to make it smaller? You know, I was making a real game of it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. She didn't make it smaller.
1: I remember as a very young child, when I would walk into the room, I would... Try and memorize the chart. So even though whenever I was sitting further back and the optician said, you know, see how far, <laughs> see how far down you can go, I couldn't see a bloody thing, but I could do it from memory. Well, she used the same bottom line for my right
0: eye as my left eye, and then she had to change it, I think, because she realized I was just like L D C P.
1: What I will say is, even though you're getting that information from spec savers, I would seek a second opinion because years ago. I get tired of paying, you know, the way when you go to like, I'm going to say a good opticians, it's a lot more expensive. So I decided to try and cut some corners and uh, went to Specsavers to try and get contact lenses. And shortly after getting them, I was getting headaches and something wasn't right. So um, I went back and it was a different person who uh, told me that they had messed up and put the wrong prescription in one of my lenses. Oh my goodness. I had to do eye drops and I couldn't wear contact lenses for about six months. Deeper. And if I'm walking through a shopping center and I see people waiting in the savers, there's part of me just wants to run in and go, go, save yourselves. No, this is wrong. Don't go in. <laughs> but hey, they also do hearing aids. <laughs> <laughs> is it better with one or
0: two? <laughs> one or
1: two? Do you know what I hate when they blow that little puff of air into your eye? Mate, what optician are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> And, I, do this? <laughs> no, I think it's because I am, as I've said to you before, you know, this close to being technically blind. I'm surprised anybody lets me behind the wheel of a car.
0: Perhaps we'll need Specsavers later to uh, go through the top 200 Rolling Stones singers list. But uh, that's for later, not for now. Country Music News is for now, as we always start off the pod with. And we thought, you know, a new year, a fresh start. Episode two of 2023, Sturdy. Let's hear what's ruling over country music right now, chart-wise. Okay, of course we've talked about you know country music being an umbrella of so many subgenres. So this is not talking about Appalachian music or Texas or the East Nashville scene or whatever it may be, the Americana scene. This isn't talking about any of that. This is strictly Nashville, effectively. But with that said, Sturdy, what's ruling over the charts in America?
1: So the number one song in country music, Jelly Roll, Son of a Sinner. It's his first ever country number one.
2: I'm just a long son of a sinner.
1: Atop
0: Billboard's country airplay chart, which is also, it's also atop the media-based chart, right? Mm-hmm. There are two media-based charts that we found, though. One of them is kind of media-based published panel past seven days. It says weekend program is reconciled and updated continuously throughout the day, Saturday and Sunday, final seven-day information. For the current chart week is available on Sunday evening. But atop that one, it says Jelly Roll, Son of a Sinner. If you go to another media-based chart, Past seven days by overall rank, January seventh, January thirteenth as well. Yeah, it says Jordan Davis. What my world spins around. Perhaps a bit of clarity might be Perhaps we should
1: just use billboard.
0: Anyway, regardless, Jelly Rollson of a sinner is the top two of those in total. So,
1: I think I just want to bring up as well. This is something I've been wanting to get off my chest. The Irish country charts. There's people downloading and listening to this podcast all over the world, but maybe we touched on it with the likes of the Lisa McHugh episode. But just. Northern Ireland in particular, never mind Southern Ireland, is, I would say, 20 years behind the rest of the world politically, musically, culturally, everything, right? People are losing their minds because they're getting a Krispy Kreme in Belfast. It's like, dream big, guys. Hang
0: on, where did this happen? I'm not even, I'm literally losing my mind. (laughs)
1: I'm serious. I don't know how this has passed you by because it's been such a big story this week. They haven't named the location or an opening date, but yeah, they've announced that they're coming to Belfast.
0: So what was chat so long ago about like a whole kind of drive-through, you know, factory thing off the Butcher Road?
1: It's up there with the Garth Brooks excitement, just people here eager to get a donut, (laughs) you know? Well, I want to talk about the Irish country charts. Let's, Let's
0: hear about it. Let's hear it.
1: I follow a few Irish country singers and I'm always amazed by you'll see them posting about like, can't believe it, you know, first day of release or within five hours, I have the number one song. They'll screenshot like the top five of the top 10, which never ever seems to change. It's just a rotating number one of local artists. So this week, for example, I've just Googled it. There's some girl called Chelsea Evans, who's at number one with a song called He's a Good Old Boy.
2: He's a good old boy and I'm a good old girl, so I'll give him to
1: you. Number two, Shania Twain. Number three and four, Taylor Swift. Number five, Johnny Cash. Number six, Lady A. Need you now. Number seven, Nathan Carter. Wagon Number eight, Johnny Cash. Ring of fire. Are you getting the picture? Here, you know, Morgan, watch out. Chelsea Evans is nipping at your toes. <laughs> oh. Do
0: you know after the Lisa McHugh episode, a lot of we uh, Irish country singers. How condescending is that from me? A lot of we Irish country singers, <laughs> but a lot of Irish country singers started following me on Instagram. All of the ones that did basically then do a version or a rendition of, do you know that girl I sent you, Emily Ann? Music. A whole lot of nothing or something. We got a whole little, and a little, 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 little suits so me just fine. We go together like a bow and a fiddle, and we live a little simple
1: life.
0: I have seen like countless Irish country artists now do this song.
1: Listen, each to their own, and life's short, and good luck to you. But what pisses me off is whenever they release a mediocre karaoke cover. And people in this country, they think it's their single. Like, Delighted to announce my new single or my new album. And there's 10 tracks and all 10's a bloody cover. We should have called this
0: podcast "Patient Stewart and Dr. John. Just the inside of a. <laughs> it's just
1: so frustrating. It's like, who's consuming this crap? But anyway. Well, some genuine
0: news. What else is going on in the country music world? Are you going to mention Kelsey Ballerini to me here and some sort of romance
1: that she has? So Kelsey recently performed at the National College Football Championships at SoFi Stadium in California. And after she performed, she was seen getting very cozy with an actor, a star of a show called Outer Banks, a guy called Chase Stokes. You know what? From looking at the photograph, it wasn't just Kelsey and this guy, Chase. There was a group of people. And yes, to look at the photograph, it looks like she's almost like resting her head on his shoulder or something. But I also think there's a chance that she could be just leaning forward and talking to somebody beside him. You know, I think people are trying to create something that may or may not actually be there.
0: Never. That wouldn't
1: happen. Journalists. Meanwhile, and I'm gonna say it again, Morgan's still down that alley with his keyboard.
0: <laughs> How long has it been over for you? T Morgan. What? Sorry, did I just say that? <laughs> did you say that? Yeah. Did I say that out Oh uh, look, I don't know is she moving on too soon who am i to judge um do you know who's in other banks by the way charles aston charles aston i was gonna say i was gonna say deacon from nashville but also (laughs) did i tell you about the story about me and uh charles aston in the bbc how i greeted him and then he gave me a hug and he was loving it oh wow yeah i just basically went to him yo josh porter Josh Porter is his character in the office, the U.S. office, the better office. Very
1: good. Yeah,
0: that's um, very upset. But he was loving it. He, he actually really appreciated it. Who's going to call him that in Belfast? And he knew exactly what I was talking about. And you know what? Something like that just sets the tone for the interview. Anyway, Charles Eston. don't let me interrupt you. Other banks, but he's in that. Do
1: you know what I find about Charles Eston? I mean, he is the loveliest guy, but I always find him at the end of an interview. He always goes, hey, when I come to Belfast, man, you and I will grab a drink. After every show, Charles is sitting at a pub somewhere waiting for somebody to be <laughs> around. <arrived. laughs>
0: He's got the best intentions in the world. Oh, man, what a lovely guy. What a lovely He's just guy. desperate to go for a pint. What was
1: he here for again? He's been over a few times with the Nashville cast performing, but a while back he played the Ulster Hall, you know, himself.
0: As we always do as journalists, we try to get these uh, artists that we interview to do a liner at the end, you know, like, oh, hey, you're listening to John Kerr on whatever station, blah, 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 or Sher Bamford on whatever station, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, whenever Charles did it, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> was like... put on a huge smile, <laughs> falling back in the chair and laughing. Oh, I've it. Hurt. that actually hurt.
1: It's such a shame the listeners can't see that.
0: You ever notice that, though, in broadcasting, that that people will smile before they start a a news report or, well, maybe not a news report that doesn't require smiling. I suppose that maybe defeats the purpose then. Such and such has been murdered. Um.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I think arguably the biggest story in country music this week, Eric Church announced a 27-day North American tour. It's the first time he's toured playing outdoor venues in 13 years. He's got a rotating group of opening acts. I mean, the list is as long as a Chinese menu. Um, Some of the names, Ashley McBride, Parker McCollum, Midland, Co Wetzel, Laney Wilson, L. King, Jelly Roll, Haley Withers, Travis Tritt, Whiskey Myers, Cody Jinks, Jackson Dean, Morgan Wade, Muscadine Bloodline, and more. It's my hey, can I
0: get them duck spring rolls? I'll get a jelly roll as well, and I'll take that with fried rice, okay? Thank you.
1: <laughs> do you think um, this is just an example of the superstar status that Eric has achieved and so much respect within the industry that that caliber of artists are so desperate to open for him? Or do you think maybe uh, this is Eric attempting to sort of uh, reconnect with the people? I think it's maybe a little bit of both.
0: Um, he knows what's hitting with people you know he knows muscadine bloodlines are popular and the Hilly Whitters the Parker McCollum's the Jelly Rolls right and maybe he wants to introduce his music to a demographic that would be uh, more receptive to all of those names I just mentioned here's the thing though right it's not like it's some sort of stagecoach or something like all of those artists in one kind of big night which I think whenever you see all those names on one list, you kind of get excited, and that that thought runs away with you a little bit. It was the same when Morgan Wallen released his World Tour lineup of Morgan Wallen, Hardy, Ernest, Billy Zimmerman, Parker McCollum, and I was like, oh, my goodness, could you imagine all those guys in one night? That would be incredible. Yeah. So I think maybe in that regard, it's a little bit...
1: Misleading?
0: We're not not deflating in that we're not getting them all, but yes, I agree with you. There's a little bit of truth in both of those statements. Um, I think... Eric is probably trying to connect, though, with with maybe a younger demographic. And he knows what's what's hitting. He's already going to choose somebody that's not doing well on the charts or or on social media or whatever.
1: Just even having that little association with Eric, I mean, changed Ashley McBride's life. So if a little bit of that magic can rub off on some acts, like we've talked before about how great Muscadine Bloodline are and not recognized. So this could open a lot of doors for a lot of these acts, hopefully.
0: Amen, please God it those but I was just about to say as far as the Ashley McBride thing uh, goes that the CTSC Dublin attendees group would like a word <laughs> Y'all need to calm down now
1: <laughs>
0: Y'all yeah. going in in the chief like this uh, Anyway, big news on the Eric Church front but I would like to see it Churchella, you know Stage Church I'll tell you what You give me all those artists as a festival I might buy a ticket from Northern Ireland and go out right there
1: what else is going on in the country music world, Judy? Dirk Bentley, he's announced that he's releasing his 10th studio album. It's called Gravel and Gold. It's coming on the 24th of February and uh, it's going to feature collaborations with, again, Ashley McBride and bluegrass musician Billy Strings, who played in Dublin not that long ago.
0: Of course, he teamed up uh, over the pandemic with the Combs, right? Yes, yeah, he you did. That? Yeah, remember yeah, that yeah, it was
1: very good, yeah.
0: Dirk Bentley, right? Two of his albums, you know, Riser and uh, Black. Black. Mm-hmm. Those were so instrumental in my love for country music. Different for girls, with El King was in there. It's
2: different for girls when their hearts get broke.
0: I'll be the moon with Maren Morris. Remember that? Yeah, he can be the sun. I'll be the moon. But those two albums, incredible. You ever uh, have a bit of time? Want to go spend some some time with your music?
1: I have to tell you though, years ago. He was being backed heavily. I'm talking about this as before Dirk Bentley was a superstar. He was being backed heavily and promoted heavily by CMA. And he was brought to Belfast and played, I'm going to say the Empire, something like that, right? And I only know this because my colleague who I've mentioned before, the guy who loves to kiss the mic and kiss the audience at the end of a show, Big T, was sent to interview him. And (laughs) Big T always says, Dirk Bentley, (laughs) Don't like him. He never gave me the time of day, and he was very rude in the interview. And he told me this about a day or two before I went to Dublin to interview Dirks because he kicked off. I think it was his last or the tour before that in Dublin at uh, the Olympia. So with Big T in the back of my mind, I thought this could be difficult. I've never met a nicer guy. I'm talking about Gar- <laughs> I'm talking about Garth Brooks level of niceness wow. and even his tour manager was the nicest guy and I remember he had previously toured with Courtney Love so that's a hell of a, wow. you know, wow but um, yeah so go into this room and obviously standard 10-15 minutes and I think he gave me 45 and he sat forward okay. and he was present in every question and even at the end of the interview he said like, he was very complimentary let's just put it that way. Yeah obviously you gotta
0: acknowledge your country music and I appreciate you being one of the folks that are turning listeners on to the country music and, and creating an audience for us here so thank you thank you for you to say that means so much Mom. Well,
1: yeah you. you absolutely know your stuff thank i appreciate you. <laughs> it we
0: we're expecting a drake white were you
1: I like drake white i thought he we was were, we good. told the drake white story was that when i hijacked your interview with Drake White? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> back before we were uh mutual podcast co-hosters we were at c2c one year 2018 17 i want to say something like that 2018 mm-hmm. maybe anyway so drake white was there and um Look, me and you—we're we're always tight. We're, we're, you know, we're always trying to. One has a contact for an interview, and the other doesn't. We'll sort of send it over and so on. So I had an interview with Drake White. You didn't, but um, I sent over the email that I had got. Okay, to you. So you set up your interview as well. But I think you turned up before me. So you did the interview first with Drake White, and then yeah. at the end of your interview, Drake White got up to go <laughs> with his manager.
1: <laughs> Sorry, this is all coming back to me.
0: And walk out the door, and then I was like, oh. Sorry, Drake, and I can't remember his manager's name, but I was like, you know, such and such. I was like, John here, by the way, you know, I'd said about, uh, <laughs> but you know, an interview before sort of thing. I emailed you. Drake turned to me and goes, "Oh, but we gotta go do sound check," and I was like, you know, well, look, like, is there another time that would, you know, suit sort of thing? I was trying to, you know, work around those guys. Ended up sitting down and doing the interview and just disagreeing with everything I said.
1: Wow.
0: Honestly, it's it's the worst interview experience I've ever had in my life. I remember saying something to him like, I think it was something to the effect of, I called him a choir boy because he was literally, he literally sang in a choir and he literally was like, I was no choir boy. It sounds a wee bit like queer boy. Maybe that's what he took. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. (laughs) And if so, why would he take it like that? So he just disagreed with choir boy and uh, thought it was pretty disagreeable.
1: Well, yeah. What well, I was gonna say? Oh, you one? Oh, you five? You can go ahead, mate. <laughs> so Drake White, uh, worst interview experience ever. In my life. Um, how did we get to that? Oh,
0: from Dirks. Dirks, what a guy. So Dirks got a new album on the way. Any news of the Hot Country Nights? It's that asphalt. I'm gonna get up the lyrics for asphalt right now. So asphalt. So if you're not aware, the Hot Country Nights are kind of like a a parody band, right? Um, but led by Dirk Bentley and low has a load of other country musicians like famous country musicians in the band like charlie Warsham in the band see i didn't know that yeah so um this song asphalt is incredible right it's all about asphalt of the road you know being the sort of the make of the road right like i was right. driving on the asphalt but i got into this mess because it was the ass's fault Somebody mentioned Lenny Wilson here. Anyway, (laughs) so, like, lyrics, get this, right? I woke up by the crack of dawn. Then I left a note by her bed saying, girl, I just got to get gone. That's pretty much all that it said. And now I'm out here chasing what I've got to find. I sure hate to leave her behind. It ain't my fault. It's that ass fault. Yeah, it calls out my name and I'm gone just like that. I don't really care if it's curvy or flat. I could stay, but there's always a butt that makes me jump into my truck. There's one big old reason why I'm even leaving it all.
1: <laughs> it's
0: that asphalt. I love as sweet you- asphalt.
1: As you go on, you're getting more into it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> that
2: boy is good
1: hmm good and terrible. So speaking of Dirks, himself, Brad Paisley, Justin Muir, Laurie Morgan, Jamie Johnson, Tanya Tucker, Michael Ray, Sam Muir, Trace Adkins, Tracy Bird, Tracy Lawrence, and Mark Chesnut, they're all going to be performing at a concert honoring the late country music icon, George Jones. It's happening on the 25th of April in Huntsville, Alabama. The concert's called Still Playing Possum. It's now completely sold out, and it's happening one day before the 10-year anniversary of Jones's death.
0: Wow, George Jones, by the way, number twenty-four in uh, Rolling Stones' recent top two hundred all-time singers list. We're going to get onto that. That is pretty class. Do you remember as well? Gritty Smith had a uh, a compilation album, tribute album, uh, from loads of artists as one of his top albums of the year. What was that one? Okay. Oh, that's it there. Something borrowed, something new. A tribute to John Anderson
1: ah yes
0: yeah 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 all those like john prine sierra Farrell, brent cobb nathaniel ratliff eric and wells david rollins teller childers luke Combs, sergio simpson brothers osborne the list goes on and on well it doesn't it goes on for like three more songs <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so these things can be popular is the point what i do also want to mention So the George Jones Museum in Nashville, it closed its doors in December of 2021. The building was bought last summer for $28.5 million. And it's now just been announced that it will be reopening. It's being turned into, and I want to look at your face as I say this, a sports bar. (laughs) (laughs) Like if there's a Glenn Campbell, Johnny Cash, et cetera, museum, you think George Jones would be recognizable enough to have enough footfall in Nashville to keep that going?
0: what does it speak to the crazy uh prices of real estate and nashville as a bit of a an artificial and move on city here i saw something in the news surely then so mm. well not really in the news i suppose it is just news to country music and it's this rise of chat gpt artificial mm-hmm. intelligence and so on i saw Grady smith country music youtuber commentator but anyway chat gpt artificial intelligence it's a tool online to write an essay, stories to answer questions and so on. There is another tool as well that I, I could say it's like an instruction tool. You can basically get it to give you, I don't know, instructions to something or other. I'm probably not explaining this the best, but the point being that Gritty Smith asked this Chat GPT machine online to write a Zach Bryan song. Okay. And it, in its first attempt, wrote probably as good a song as, <laughs> as is in the bottom half of the U.S. country radio charts. And on second attempt, wrote a song that was quite close to Zach Bryan, something Zach Bryan would write. And on third attempt, when he refined it and asked it to do more sort of thing and from what perspective, from the first person and so on, really wrote a heck of a song, not going to lie. And I'm starting to think here with this thing that you could ask this artificial intelligence machine to write you a song refine it a couple of times and then refine it yourself once with the odd word being changed and presto what was the
1: name of the software again chat gpt did you get that chelsea evans give a good old
2: boy and I'm a good old girl, so I'll give him to
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> give it a go chelsea what's the worst that could happen
0: it's at capacity right now, as in, um, I don't know, I assume that servers are full or whatever.
1: It's half and, of Nashville trying to write ahead. Yeah, well, exactly. Good. Exactly. And maybe they,
0: <laughs> they're to have to put it behind a paywall. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If they check the bank accounts of those uh, who buy it and they put it behind a paywall, it'll all be uh, writers from Music City. Um, I have left my email address to be put in a waiting list to go into this thing and then you and I are going to come together and get this software to write a Shania Twain song and we're going to talk about it (laughs) in the pod
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing yes we were talking about how Shania now sounds like she's got a robot voice she's this close to just being Alexa so um, (laughs) Shania why not just combine the two you've got the robot voice you have a robot write the song and uh, there we go Getty up
0: oh mate Thanks very much. That's wonderful. <laughs> Top 200 singers of all time. Rolling Stone compiled this recent list, Stuart. I've been teasing it throughout the pod so far. Are you familiar with the news? They did it? They released it New Year's Day, 2023 here.
1: Yeah, well, I'm familiar because it's become a, a news story because Celine Dion was left off. Exactly. And then there was a group of Celine Dion fans, I think, protesting outside the offices of Rolling Stone.
0: Just right. It's an absolute disgrace, but it's clickbait. It is clickbait, because we're going to go through some of the artists on here. Well, we're going to go through some of the country artists on here anyway. And just, I suppose, give it to you as a bit of news, but also isn't this interesting? So sure, we went through it earlier before the pod started. 194, Kelly Clarkson. Country music can kind of claim Kelly Clarkson a little bit, right? Yeah. You got Joan Baez at 189, 177, patty Loveless, 170. Chris Stapleton, uh-huh. top 200 list of all-time greatest singers. And I think Chris Stapleton is the greatest living singer. Yet he's at 170, and there are not 169 dead people in front of him. Let me tell you that much. Let me tell you who's ahead of him. 161, Brenda Lee, right, rocking around the Christmas tree. Uh, 158, Carrie Underwood. So, you know, okay. 156, George Strait is ahead of Carrie Underwood and Chris Stapleton. Merle Haggard is ahead again. 138. 132, Loretta Lynn. 127, Tammy Wynette, 120, Charlie Rich. And also in that sort of back 100 of the 200, 102, Taylor Swift.
1: The problem is the title. When you say greatest singers, it implies that this is just purely based upon people's vocal ability, but it's it's not. You may as well call this greatest artist.
0: As I think it says in the thing as well, is that you know we know what a good singer is, but to be a great singer can be something entirely different, right? So, and with that said, here are the names inside the top 100. 88, Jimmy Rogers. 85, Johnny Cash. 79, Emmylou Harris. 71, Roy Orbison. 63, Robert Plant. We can kind of claim Robert Plant. Uh, for his crossover appeal with alison christ's country can't we uh-huh. 54 willie nelson 47 linda ronstadt 37 we're not including this because it's country just because we're from belfast northern ireland van morrison is 37 sturdy
1: very good rightly so
0: inside the top 30 then hank williams 27 dolly parton 24 george jones and 13 the highest country music singer he's patsy
1: klein I thought you were going to say Chelsea Evans. I thought you were going to say Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. Chelsea
0: Evans is coming out with Crazy. Get it here in time, Catherine.
1: If she's not already recorded
0: that. So Patsy Klein, highest country music singer at 13. John Lennon was 12. And then the top 11, interestingly, are all black artists. Little Richard, Al Green, Otis Redding, Beyonce. Stevie Wonder, uh, Ray Charles, Mariah Carey. And at this point, I was looking at this earlier going, where is Sam Cooke? Well, I'm about to get to him. Billy Holiday's number four. Then Sam Cooke. And who's top two? Shirley, give me a guess. Who would be top two? Well, I know, so I don't need to guess. Well, you know who's number one. Do you know who number two is? Yeah. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. And then Aretha Franklin. How about that for a, for a top 200 list? Can't argue with much inside the top Top 11 anyway. Um, Patsy Klein, fair play to at number 13. John Lennon, could we argue that at number 12? I don't know. Great singers. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, But obviously the disgraceful omission there is, is Lindy Dion, right?
1: Did you mention or refresh my memory, Elvis Presley? Elvis Presley 17. Just ahead of um, Frank Sinatra
0: at 19. Marvin Gaye at 20. Prince is one place ahead of Elvis. Bob Dylan <laughs> this is the biggest joke in the world. Bob Dylan is at 15. Cancel the list,
1: Bob Dylan. At the top of this article, it says, when Rolling Stone first published its list of the 100 greatest singers in 2008, we used an elaborate voting process that included input from well-known musicians. The results skewed towards classic rock and singers from the 60s and 70s. This new list was compiled by our staff and key contributors. And they still got it wrong. That's where it's coming from. They got a
0: lot of it right. As I say, top 11s. Pretty, pretty bang on. Do you know what? Fair play that there are so many country artists uh, recognized in there. Mm-hmm. Chris Stapleton should be the highest living artist, in my opinion. So, sure. I was going to say here, um, just off the back of our, you know, our, our review of the top two hundred from Rolling Stone about the remainder of that list from last week. You know, those artists, artists from yesterday, not yesteryear. year. Uh, those artists that have have at least to us anyway, maybe for whatever reason fallen off our radar or the radar but we've been recording here for so long this is probably an episode in itself all of what we've spoken about so far so I'm just going to give you one and we're going to push it back another week okay and here is that one because it's a nice link into an interview that we're going to include in uh, episode 12 of the podcast here today Uh, this is an interview with Sycamore and she mentioned an artist that I am so passionate about and that for me fell off the radar where is he He was instrumental in my love for country music. My sister showed me him in the first place. Ryan Kinder. You familiar with Ryan Kinder?
1: I am, yeah. What do you think of Ryan Kinder? None of his songs have stuck with me or in my mind. I remember when he was on the scene for five minutes at the time thinking, God, this guy's good. And visually, I remember he had a beard and like a massive hat.
0: Wasn't it Daughtry that won American Idol or something? Do you remember Chris Daughtry? Daughtry? Chris yeah. Daughtry, yeah. Oh, what a voice. I love Daughtry, man. Uh, big band in my, in my house growing up. But Ryan Kinder gave me a lot of Chris Daughtry vibes. Right, okay. His songs Tonight, uh, Close, Still Believe in Crazy Love. Very kind of almost rock country, right? Yeah. Um. So I was a big fan of Ryan Kinder. But Ryan Kinder was mentioned uh, strangely by... This artist that we're going to include our interview with, we had a, an eventful Friday. We're recording this on Saturday, the 14th of January, but we had an eventful Friday the 13th. Thankfully, it wasn't unlucky, just unlucky for some. Uh, maybe those that were <laughs> happened to be interviewed by us, Jodie, maybe it was <laughs> unlucky for them. But um, one of those artists that we spoke to, we did three interviews all back to back. But one of those, uh, the last one that we did was with an artist called Sycamore. And she mentioned Ryan Kinder. And I thought this was perfect i'll mention ryan kinder about uh, an artist that was off the radar and also just try and um encourage you to go and check out his music because he might have fallen off the radar but that's never an excuse to just forget about i'm going forget about music that lasts and uh stands the test of time mm-hmm. it is that's the beauty about music it's why we're doing a podcast about music because music literally lasts forever so go and listen to him um and then while you're at it go and check out sycamore after you hear our chat with her
2: Hi, my name is Sycamore on the Free Ramblin' Men podcast. Check out our new conversation right now.
1: So Sycamore, well, firstly, welcome to the Free Ramblin' Men podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So in August of last year, you released this album called Pinto. Tell us how finding, because I love this story, you found this owner's manual for an old Ford Pinto car from the 70s in an antique store in Franklin, Tennessee. And this then motivated you to write what became the album's title track and very much influenced the, the sound and the feel of this album, right?
2: That's right. Yeah. Um, I heard the story. And if if you're not familiar, the Ford Pinto was this car kind of from the 1970s era that eventually, I think, became recalled or it just sort of gained this reputation for being very dangerous. And it would catch on fire all the time or it would explode. Like it was very prone to like engine fires. And for whatever reason, it immediately sort of drew a comparison for me to... Kind of your first relationship, maybe when you're a teenager, like the first time you fall in love, and just the way that it can be sometimes very exhilarating and exciting, and, and it can go really fast, but it can also be a little bit dangerous, and you can maybe get your heart broken really quickly, or the emotions can be very explosive. And so I immediately wrote a song about it, and I had this weird kind of epiphany as I was writing it. I was kind of struggling to figure out what my next project would be what it would look like and what the messaging and the branding and the sound would be and as i was writing this song i kind of saw all of the visuals and i all of a sudden it was very clear to me what i wanted this album to be and what i wanted it to turn into and so it became the muse for the rest of the record and i knew very early that it would be called pinto and it would be fashioned after this sort of dynamic And so the whole album ended up being kind of about young love and navigating that and all the feelings associated with it. And so, yeah, it doesn't always happen like that. But this time it did. And it was a really lucky thing for me.
1: I love how the album very much leans into that 80s synth pop sound, which randomly has become so popular now, even though I know this album was meant to come out back in 2020. Tell me about working with producer Michael Knox. Obviously, he would very much be associated with his work with Jason Aldean and that more aggressive country rock sound. What do you think he's been able to sort of capture and bring out in your sound? And how does his style in the studio differ from, say, Russell Brim, who you worked with previously?
2: Yeah, um, obviously, yeah, Michael is very uh, successful in kind of the, the more, I guess, rock country genre and so um it's really interesting to work with him and what he brought to the table honestly was he added just that extra i kind of call it the punch or just kind of the the extra power that maybe uh could have been lacking in my original demos you know and we we cut a lot of the rhythm section actually a lot of this band was cut live off the floor so i mean there are there's obviously a lot of synth and there's a lot of programming happening but a lot of those instruments are real and that's really where uh Michael has a ton of experience is sort of dialing in the live band figuring out where they can kind of pick up the slack maybe where you're lacking and you can really hear it I think in the songs especially in the choruses like they really just they have a lot more lift and they and they give a lot more dynamic than maybe something that's just a straightforward demo and so Mm -hmm. that was something I had never experienced prior so I think yeah that was definitely a difference between Um, myself producing and like working with Russell Broom as well. It was really fun to just be with a producer who has such a dialed in sense of, you know, that rock sound and just kind of giving it his signature punch. There's really, you know, there's no one else that can do it quite like Michael. So, yeah, it's great.
0: I like to look at an artist sort of discography in total, right? Try and place a bit of a timeline in, in the ether there to see how long they've been about and so on. So I saw a single of yours, 2013 though, right? So what sort of Sycamore's timeline there?
2: Well, I like to think that this project, this, you know, my real name's Jordan, but Sycamore is the project. I feel like it started in 2013 and that was when I started kind of recording and doing stuff kind of on the independent side. And so, um, yeah, I feel like it probably started, I guess we're in our 10th year now (laughs) because it's 2023 and um yeah i feel like the project itself and my myself as an artist i've gone through a lot of different evolutions and i don't know that i necessarily started in a mainstream country genre if that's what you want to call it or just kind of that avenue but just as i've grown as a person and as an artist um i kind of figured out where i needed to settle and obviously that's still to a certain extent, always kind of evolving and you never want that to stop. But um, yeah, it's been not only a a journey through time, but it's been a bit of a journey of just figuring out my sound. And so I I like that it kind of sounds different with every kind of project that comes forth. So it's been kind of a cool, It's at this point it's a cool road to look back on and just see all the progress and all the changes.
0: And if we could introduce Jordan a little bit more to people who aren't aware, Mm -hmm. people who might be listening to this podcast and who, who haven't come across your music before. Uh, Are there certain artists even that you would kind of go, oh, for fans of such and such, you know,
2: I always just like to say who I'm a fan of, because ultimately that ends up being you can always hear it a little bit in the music. Right. And I think that's great is when, you know, people can when you sound like your own artist but you can also hear people's influences. And so uh, like Taylor Swift is a big influence, both the country and the pop side of things. You know, over the years, there's been a few comparisons to her sound, which isn't lost on me. Um, You know, Casey Musgraves is another one on the pop side of things. I also love Lana Del Rey. Um, She's a big hero of mine. And and I feel like you can hear a bit of that influence in my sound as well. And so those are kind of my big three that I feel like, I mean, I can't speak for anybody, but I feel like if you like any of those artists, there might be something in my music that you like as well.
1: Ellie Goulding has got to be in there as well, right?
2: Oh, love her.
1: Five songs from the Pinto album were previously released on an EP during the pandemic called California King. And I've heard you say that um, during the pandemic is when you find yourself really leaning into your pop influences and you were pushing the envelope creatively with so much free time. And at one point, nobody knew if we were ever going to come out the other end of this. Did you find yourself creatively motivated and productive? Or was there any stage where you sort of hit a brick wall and you were like, Well, what's the point? Nobody might never hear this.
2: (laughs) I think I could say yes to both those answers. Um, Something really cool that I got to do during the pandemic was I wrote and got to sing on a duet with another artist named Ryan Kinder. Mm -hmm. And it was actually right kind of at the advent of when people were starting to write songs on Zoom. I think it was the first time I ever wrote a song on Zoom. And, you know, you're kind of uncomfortable and it's a little bit clunky and everything. So it's really cool for me that, It was actually a song that ended up getting cut by another artist and I got to sing on it and I got to be in the video. So that was cool for a lot of reasons, you know, just to keep the creative juices flowing, Um, because I was technically I wasn't off album cycle, but I had just written Pinto. And so I was kind of right as the pandemic hit, I was kind of planning to take a break anyway, (laughs) because I we cut the album and it was supposed to come out in 2020 and then it didn't, but it was done and mastered. That was really cool to kind of dive into maybe a slightly different world than mine. Um, you know, writing a song with Ryan for his album and getting to sing on it and everything else. So it was nice to be able to keep that muscle exercised for sure. I hope, yeah. Honestly, for me, especially 2020, that was more of a year of, like, intake for me. I was listening to a lot of, a lot of artists were still putting music out, and, and I feel like the landscape of music was changing so much in that time, and so I think you're totally right. The My pop influence has probably really kind of started to take hold during the pandemic because I think the landscape of music changed so much. And genre became less of a concern. I think for everybody, we were all just streaming what we wanted to stream, and people were getting on TikTok and sharing music there. And so I became a little more partial to just listening to whatever I wanted to listen to. And I think it definitely uh, shaped my influences for what I would create later.
1: So you grew up on a cattle ranch in Karsland, Alberta, Canada, and I believe it was your great-grandfather who emigrated from Sweden. He was the first person who owned the land. And your parents, I love this, they met through rodeoing, and your father was a steer wrestler, and you grew up riding horses and barrel racing. But I want to mention your brother, because I know he's a musician as well, and he became friends with a guy who then became Brad Paisley's Guitar Tech. And in October of 2013, you found yourself on one of Brad's tour buses and you had a CD and you got to play some of the guys in his band, Your Music, and they were very encouraging of you giving everything to music and making that move to Nashville.
2: Yes, I feel really lucky to have gone through kind of more than my fair share, probably, of fluke experiences like that, where people have just sort of come out of the woodwork through pretty interesting circumstances and they end up being very encouraging of my career when really they don't have to be like there's nothing pressuring them and that was definitely one of uh those experiences and I'm always surprised that people know (laughs) because I feel like I don't tell that story every time I do an interview so it's really cool that you've done the research (laughs) to find that out but yeah um it was through my brother that I met Brad Paisley's band and I honestly think it was through my brother that you know he probably encouraged me at the time to be like, play them your CD, because I was probably pretty embarrassed. <laughs> and threw it in and they were like very encouraging and very supportive. And um that meant a lot coming from dudes who had been essentially working in Nashville for 20 years, you know. So they're they've heard the real deal and they can kind of give you a, a pretty measured um opinion. I feel really lucky that that's just one of kind of many. Weird circumstances that have just in a moment where maybe I needed a push to keep going. That was that was where I got it. So yeah, it was a really cool experience. It's
0: mm-hmm. kind of cool. I was just just hearing you talk about you, Brad Paisley, obviously Ryan Kinder before that. Ryan Kinder is actually on a list that. Uh, so last week Stuart and I in the podcast we started going through these artists that are not artists from yesteryear, like '90s country or anything necessarily, but artists from just yesterday that have maybe been slightly forgotten about that have gone off the radar for whatever reason it might be but uh we sort of built that feature that in 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 sort of last episode we're continuing it this week and one of the names i have in that second half Stuart, you're probably unaware of this is ryan kinder yeah and i was like where did ryan kinder go you know all sort of thing (laughs) now look we're not in america we're we're sitting over here in northern ireland but you know you're you're visible to spotify to streaming platforms and so on so you're kind of you still get a little bit of music here or there but you kind of, i guess you kind of go Why haven't I heard of him or why am I not seeing as much recently sort of thing? So I just thought it was very interesting that you started speaking about Ryan.
2: He's in Nashville and um, he's honestly, he's working on a really amazing album. Um, We're good friends now. And so I know, I know a bit, maybe more than the general public about what he's up to. And he's got some really exciting things on the horizon. So I would, it's so great that he's on your list and I would like keep track of him and keep tabs on him because, you know, he's about to, to come out with some really cool stuff.
0: Glad to hear it. Jordan, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking
2: i'm 32.
0: i suppose i've been told never ask a lady their age but hey we're we're, we're 2023 right stop that stop that how much do you <laughs> <laughs> behave you sturdy behave you <laughs> 32 though so what, what's the, what's the immediate future look like now you know i've had that album out can, dare i even ask about a five-year plan
2: being a musician you want to have long-term goals but you also don't want to be so rigid with your long-term goals that you have blinders on and maybe miss a chance to pivot and do something really cool probably as far as long-term goals go I only maybe plan two years in advance just because that's probably as far as I want to see in terms of what I can control because you really never know what's going to happen in the music industry it's like things change so quickly and um you know, I think you need to be a little bit adaptable sometimes, but um, I can say, and maybe you guys already know this, but I'm coming to the UK like next week. So, <laughs> as far as long term plans go, I really do want to keep coming back to the UK and I want to start spending more time there and just becoming more of an international artist because that's something I've always, it's a goal of mine, I've always wanted to implement is that I want to be able to play all over the world, and so um yeah the next couple years i really hope to expand and be able to start coming to united kingdom and australia and just like places across the pond and so that's as far as a five-year plan goes that's probably about as specific as i can get because i don't have any more plans but um yeah just laying the groundwork to be an international artist is a big priority
0: hey man there i was was mentioning spotify and streaming and that sort of thing it's just interesting i think to think about that kind of you know Now everyone places such an emphasis on becoming an international artist, especially within country music, certainly now with streaming, it's just so international.
2: It's so cool to be able to see um, Spotify has this um, app called Spotify for Artists, and you can see a lot of your in detail, your analytics like geographically where you're streaming and where people are tuning in and being i'm from canada you guys already know that so pretty consistently my top three countries or areas of the world are canada the us and the uk and so it's been really cool to watch that number kind of just slowly grow and i think it was about last summer we have a good friend who does a lot of um work and has a lot of connections in london and i was just almost in passing i was like i really I think maybe it's time we get over there and we just start writing and we start making connections. And I didn't really know that anyone was listening or anything would come of it. And all of a sudden we have this whole trip booked. (laughs) So
1: So you're playing the uh, world famous Cavern Club in Liverpool on the 24th of January with Laura Oakes and Jeff Cohen. And then the Camden Club in London on the 29th with Jeff. I mean, the Cavern Club in Liverpool in particular, I mean, the association with the Beatles, that's got to be a bucket list venue. Yeah.
2: Yes, I'm very excited. And I actually think we're doing the museum as well, maybe the next day. I think it's going to be awesome. And yeah, it's definitely a bucket list item. Um, I feel really lucky that my first time over I get to do it. So that's not lost on me.
1: I want to mention, because it's like something out of a fairy tale or a, a Hollywood movie. So in 2017, you signed a publishing deal with Home Team Publishing, and this is a company created by Thomas Rhett, his father, Red Aikens, and Thomas's manager, Virginia Bonetta. And I love this story that you followed Thomas Rhett on Twitter, and then Twitter suggested that you might also want to follow this guy, Red Aikens, so you did. And then not realizing the family connection. Then he reached out to you and said he checked out your music?
2: Yeah. Like I said before, I've had a lot of kind of interesting coincidental experiences like that. And that's probably the biggest one for me. And I followed Rhett really just, I couldn't tell you why. I was probably just like wanting to just do more on my Twitter. And and it came up as a suggestion. And he DM'd me and said he had looked at my YouTube channel and he, he liked what I was up to. And he said, if you're ever in Nashville, you should look me up and maybe we can do something here. And so it really wasn't long after that. I was in his house. We were talking and we weren't we weren't making any concrete plans out the gate. It was really just I wanted to talk to the guy and make sure he was real, because you never know on the (laughs) internet who's real and who's not. And he was definitely real and You know, it was, you know, silly me, I, it took me a minute to figure out he was this very prolific, successful songwriter. And on top of that, he was Thomas Rhett's dad. Like, I really had no idea about any of that. And so he's been a a wonderful champion and just somebody who I can uh, just be very, like, be a confidant and ask questions about the industry with. And um, yeah, ultimately, I think we met and then about a year went by where I was just coming to Nashville back and forth from Canada and then yeah, almost a year after that, he kind of said, you don't need to shop for a publishing deal anymore because I'm just going to sign you. And so that was really great to hear because as a Canadian, you need a work visa to work in the States. And, um, I couldn't just go down and start writing music and getting paid to do music because that would be illegal. And so it's really great to have a publishing deal and be able to, um, lawfully come across the border and have a work visa and have all that be on the up and up so that was my big kind of kickstart into getting to nashville and it's all because of him
0: latest member of the peach pickers sycamore huh
2: (laughs) peach pickers are amazing they're such a great group of guys
0: whoever might be listening right and to point them in a in a direction of a one song two songs maybe three that really mean a lot to you you know uh from uh, from pinto what would you say
2: um i mean i would obviously tell them to listen to the title track i think um that one is very much it's the muse it's the centerpiece of the whole record and um it actually was one of the last songs that came out because we released the record in pieces and uh pinto and wallflower were the two that that were the last to come out and i actually think it's interesting that they were the last to come out because they are essentially i would say the bookends as far as the dynamics of the record go mm-hmm. um so i would listen to wallflower and pinto just to get you know an idea of the three-dimensional um album that it is um it can be very precious and very small damn i wouldn't be so empty if i just had a dancer tell me where you are baby just had a dancer tell me where you are baby wallflower and then it can be a little more heavy and exciting and colorful on the pinto end of things and then the other one i I would recommend to listen to um i think i'll say go easy on me is another one um that one i feel shows kind of a bit of my appreciation for music from maybe the 70s there's a lot of that influence in that song and i am influenced by a lot of um kind of that era in my music and so yeah those are maybe the the trifecta of really just getting the gist of the album i would suggest those three
1: You've been so generous with your time we really appreciate it and good luck with the upcoming uk shows
2: thank you so much and thank you for taking the time
0: sycamore uh, is at sycamore music on twitter uh, she is at sycamore just on instagram and uh, a really cool artist inspired by as she says uh, kissy musgraves taylor swift and
1: lana Del Rey.
0: yeah so look an artist we'd encourage you to check out there you have her socials and with that said that's been about it for episode 12 of the podcast. Sturdy, have, you, have you enjoyed it, Stuart? Stuart, Stuart, Stuart. Have you enjoyed it, Sturdy? <laughs>
1: Um, Yeah. Look into my
0: eyes, deep into my eyes, not around the eyes. Look into my eyes, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, no, look, mate. Episode 12 in the bag. Uh, I kind of like that we're almost starting afresh for the new year. And, uh, you know, we're coming at, to you with um, a nice interview, some chart news as well to keep you abreast of what's going on in Music City. Um, but of course we know that country music extends beyond that and hey that's why we give you a a little taste of Sycamore and we will give you a little taste of more artists in the following weeks Um,
1: Worth mentioning too and maybe you don't even know this but last week's episode obviously came out on Tuesday and between then and now it's been the most downloaded episode you know within the period of time it's been available so far I saw something about
0: the downloads and it looked quite impressive Uh you know so look Thank God. Look, thank you for your support. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us as always, as I always say on uh, freeramblermen at gmail.com. And if you want to give us a follow or some support, we're at Men on Instagram and Twitter uh, and on Facebook as well. Uh, sure can also be found in those platforms though uh, at Stuart underscore Bamford on Instagram and at Stuart Banford on Twitter. And I'm at the John Care on any and just about everything that you can imagine. Surely, until episode 13, unlucky for some, we'll see. What are we going to say here?
1: I would say, you know, keep rambling free, and also in the words of uh, the great singer-songwriter uh, Chelsea Evans, he's a good old boy. He's
2: a good old boy, and I'm a good
0: old girl, so I'll give him to you. <laughs> we ain't got a whole lot, but we got a little, of little, 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 little and <laughs> we just just fine. we gonna get like a bone and a feather, and we live a little simple life. We're <laughs> gonna Damn, that boy could sing. must be crazy. He good. must be crazy.